0: This podcast represents the opinions of our hosts and guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice and is for informational purposes only. This podcast also does not establish a standard of care, doctor-patient or client relationship. No guarantee is given regarding the accuracy of any statements or opinions made on the podcast or website and because each person is so unique. All listeners are encouraged to connect with counseling and medical professionals for assistance with their personal journey. All people, places, and scenarios mentioned in the podcast have been changed to protect the privacy of those involved.
1: You're listening to the We're Not Fine podcast with Doug Jensen and Dr. Talia Jackson.
0: Everybody, happy October.
2: Seriously. Maybe wherever you are, it doesn't feel as (laughs) fall-like as maybe here in Minnesota. It's right after all of the like the peak where people go out and leaf peep, and now things are starting to fall. But it was so I mean it's spectacular out there and bright red and gold and
0: so speaking of like where we are as Any viewer on YouTube is going to be able to identify. I'm actually not in the studio today. Um, And I'm actually talking about leaf peeping. I'm in uh, the beautiful, beautiful Boston area where leaf peeping is popular. So, yeah, very exciting. Very exciting time to look at beautiful leaves. I'm looking out a window at some green and and oranges. But we're going to talk about that later. But Um, is it as
2: exciting as Greg's? mustache
0: <laughs> um so, is
2: this the great reveal
0: this is the well, great
1: reveal i'm not exactly sure
0: where greg is because freddie mercury is in <laughs> our oh, dear. or tom Selleck, our, <laughs> or a porn star that oh no greg doesn't <laughs> i i got a scorn look greg that's a no. that a mustache is it real or did you put it on
1: no, it's real. Wow. But This is the first time in 25 years I haven't had um, my goatee. So
0: How does it feel that a If, I shave,
1: to go- if or- I shave everything off, I look like I'm 12.
0: Oh, Which well, might
2: come in handy when you're 80, but right now it sounds like <laughs> you're wanting to lean in to your manliness.
0: <laughs> Can we, if I sing Bohemian Rhapsody, will you react? No. <laughs> no mama Mia's? No, that's disappointing. No, it is. I want to know. I want to know what y'all are doing for Halloween. Speaking y'all... of your mustache. I don't, I don't even speak that way, but I'm going to use it for this purpose. Of like this. what like are I'm, you and your
2: mustache doing for Halloween?
0: Is that the question? <laughs> what are you doing with that stash?
1: I'm, I'm going as an air, I'm going as a Top Gun um, pilot. So I'm, I'm rocking the stash for, for the eighties Top Gun situation.
0: So a little Tom, the Cruise-ish.
2: volleyball scene.
1: No, I actually, I got one of those, um, flight suits and I have the array bands and all that stuff. So yeah, that's, it. that's what I'm doing. Wow.
2: Love it. Love it. What about I you, Talia? What, you, have... what are you doing? So basically I just sort of phone it in a little bit every year on Halloween. Some people it's their favorite holiday of the year, but I have this like, little bag where I either take out these sparkling antlers and wear like a brown turtleneck sweater and maybe sometimes I'll put on a red nose because you know, my original maiden name is Rudolph so I was always the only Jewish reindeer and so sometimes you know I'll pop on that little red nose and Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer it's kind of weird um or else I have this like super girl outfit and I just sort of alternate every year depending on
0: the whim I'd like you to wear that on one (laughs) of the podcasts is it like a onesie (laughs)
2: Yeah, it is kind of a onesie. And then sometimes it'll be so cold that Uh you won't even see what I'm wearing. And so I just sort of put the cape on over my jacket. It's a sad Minnesota Halloween when it's like 25 degrees and you're walking around with the kids and you just put on a cape.
0: I suggest thermals. Like if you had thermals instead to keep yourself warm so you could really be noticed. You know, my yes. family, my family, while my kids were young, had the biggest Halloween parties at my home. And we had uh, a crystal ball reader. We had immense amounts of decorations. We had a disco ball in the living room where people would dance to Monster Monster Mash. Is that what it is? Yeah, I think it is. Oh, yeah. Um, and I have an old 1904 home in the St. Croix Valley that has actually a kettle holder in the in the fireplace still. So we would put like dry ice in there it would fume up it was absolutely oh, really fun so cool but the sad reality is now my kids are gone and i used to put on some sort of thing like you do Talia i used to do something really simple like a horse head or something when i would go trick or treating with my kids <laughs> which always wasn't nice and i sometimes would try to scare kids which was not the uh, i went as a vampire once <laughs> it was bad Like I went to a party and I acted like I was going to eat the kids. They all shuddered. um, (laughs) maybe it wasn't good. And maybe they're in therapy now dealing with that. And I apologize. You can bill me, (laughs) but now nobody comes to my house. I'm on the end of a dead end. So I end up buying these huge bit things of candy bars from Costco. And then I put them in a big bin and nobody eats them. So I bring them to my office. And you I get should cute, bring them
2: to the studio. I will when bring you're them back to the in street. town.
0: It's Reese's, Hershey bars, and KitKats. Oh. All good oh. choices, right?
2: Yes, I mean I'll do the Reese's, and you can have the other two.
0: I'm not eating candy. <gasps> okay. Well,
1: <laughs> speaking of Halloween, all, the, all of our um, questions this week revolve around Halloween, which is interesting. Um, can we take the questions? first one with
0: that mustache? Yes, with the mustache. Can you like paint on a goatee for the purposes of this podcast?
1: No, no I can't <laughs> is do it too
2: distracting?
1: <laughs> um, so the first one is um, a teenager um, and the 18 year old named Monica.
0: Hmm.
1: And she said that every year her friend group, because I, I guess when she says every year, it's probably just the last few years, <laughs> they all hold a Halloween party. And, but this year everyone wanted to go, but no one was volunteering to host it. And she asked multiple times if it was happening and she was told it was, but then nobody had found anyone to host it. So after asking again, she volunteered her house only to be informed by one of the girls that they were hosting it. But if I didn't know about it, I wasn't invited. Mm -hmm. No one reacted to the message. And um, I always thought it was a group thing. And even if you, you aren't friends with that specific person that you can still go. Am I taking this too personally? No one else seems to be bothered by this. you know even though I offered to, ho- to host it uh, apparently I'm not invited.
0: Oh oh you know I I mean, don't I'm love very that. familiar
2: yeah. with the host volunteer game of chicken that happens sometimes. It's like let's get together. yeah, let's get together. And then there's like a lot of silence because nobody is stepping up to the plate. but it sounds like the question is, Someone did volunteer to host. She just was not in the inn. I don't know. I just, I feel like we would need a lot more information because I don't know if it's personal or not. I'm always. Yeah.
0: There could be a lot. You know, the invitation could be lost somewhere. There's always that possibility it happens. Here's what I think. And this is where, you know, I appreciate, you know, that we're both kind of stammering on this one because one of the issues here for me is 18. Like, that's a really, really tough time to implement some of the communication strategies that I would encourage any adult to do. Like, what I would do is, honestly, I would ask directly, like, if this was your friend group and you think it might have been an oversight, I think it's fair to say, I just want to check in. So we talked about who would host this. I understand you're hosting it. I did not receive an invitation. Is that purposeful? I would, I'm would. i big on direct, as everybody knows. So I would say ask directly because it really could be an oversight. And boy, I think there's some movies about this theme where people don't end up going and then they feel really bad. And the person like your, your invite got sent in the mail. Why didn't you get it? Right. Like, so I think miscommunication can happen. Go ahead.
2: I'm a big proponent of, okay, worst case scenario. That's one of a hundred possibilities, right? Like it's not (gasps) always the worst case scenario, even though that's the first one we all jump to. Right. So that's one of... Many, many possibilities. But sometimes teenagers are kind of a-holes. And Aww. so we don't really know what is happening. It is possible that you are discovering that your friends aren't really your true friends, or that the one person that was hosting, it's either an oversight or it's not. I would also say you might want to clarify. And maybe yeah. if it were me, because I have a harder time being direct. I would just ask Doug to do it for me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and I would be delighted to. I would be delighted to ask. Um, here's the interesting thing about what you said, Talia, that I think is true. And this is where, you know, honestly, Greg, the person who wrote in the uh, being 18 is a big factor again here. Because it's a hard time where you are de- really delineating, like, who are your true friends and who aren't. And it sounds like still high school to me. I, I might have missed it, but it doesn't feel like college where mm-hmm. you're going to have four more years with these people. The truth is, this is where some people kind of make their decisions moving forward. Like if if you're going to uh, a university or college experience or not, or whatever it might be, but it's different than your friends. Of course, friends tend to drift. Funny enough, the people that I'm staying with, I've known since third grade, uh, my best friend here. So um, That's in any, isn't that amazing? Um, mm-hmm, when I my family it. moved, we got seated next to each other. Funny enough. Um, But the thing that I'm struck by is I think it's I I love what you said, because I think there's a part that maybe this is a place where she might decide kind of who her friends are. The problem with it is that there's a group. This isn't just like one person having an issue. And those other friends, if they are friends, should also be sticking up for you. So I would check it out. It might be an oversight. You might be able to check this out, by the way, with one of the really, really trusted friends that you have Mm -hmm. in that group so that you really don't feel like you're putting yourself in any awkward situation. I also think we're, you know, we've kind of missed the big piece here. Like it's really hurtful. If indeed you were left out, it's hurtful and it takes time to grieve that. And it takes time to figure it out. This is not about you. You deserve friends that love you and regard you for who you are. If indeed you were left out of it. And it's really hard to know that at 18.
2: And it's really um, hard to know without checking in. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, Greg, go ahead.
1: I, I understand that you both are definitely cluing into the, or, lasering into the fact that she was 18, but this is also something that happens to even adults Mm -hmm. all the time, right? Where you Mm -hmm. think you had a relationship or a friendship of a certain level or certain closeness that may not be reciprocated. And, you know, so even adults experience this type of hurt or confusion. I think the same advice applies, you know, communicate, ask questions, you know, try to ascertain it. But I think because because let's face it, when you're not invited, it can feel hurtful, you know, to, to a degree, no matter how old you are. But at the same time, especially when you're older, you have other friends, you have other opportunities, you can create your own party. You know, you That's don't right. have to put your universe around someone that may not reciprocate that type of friendship. So, you know, there are opportunities to broaden your horizons in, in a positive direction, too.
0: So. And what you just said, Greg, like, you know, that I, I'm going to pull out that part you said about like, create your own party. I think one of the things and not to get too therapy oriented, but, you know, look at what you can control and let go of what you can't like, take it, take advantage of the situation. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to say, fuck them, but if indeed they've left you out, fuck them and move forward. Right. Like find the people that love you for who you are. Like I said before, and that might mean inviting people over that you really, really care about and I'm also going to say, and this is not what I necessarily recommend, but if you decided there there's not a Halloween party to go to, have your own. Still host one and let people make their choice about how they go to. And I know that's a little drama um, that might be involved, <laughs> but it's still doing your thing. Do your thing.
2: I mean, it's a really interesting question, though, of like there are two sides, and side number one is – Was I invited or wasn't I invited? Are they true friends? Aren't they? Are they showing me that this is not reciprocal or is it an oversight? And then there's also the host, right? So if there is somebody who feels like, and I don't know, I, I hear this story a lot, right? That there are people who sometimes in their lives feel a little bit like they need to clean house. That they are surrounded by people who maybe they're not really in alignment with not really resonating with, and they're trying to find a way to let some of these relationships die on the vine and they're not having the direct conversations. And so maybe not inviting someone is their way of saying, I'm not really feeling it anymore.
0: Yeah. Which by the way, you know, I'm big on the concept. If you have an issue with a friend, let them know, like, Don't be passive aggressive. Don't ghost. I mean, one of the things that people are going to hear from me a ton is that I think that's really uh, not the right way to go because there's anxiety for both parties that way. You never know really what's going on. So communicate when you have an issue, say something. And I realize, you know, again, I want to say that's hard at 18. It's really hard Mm -hmm. to do that when you're really, really young. So and depending on like what you've learned from your parents about communication, or you know what what support you have from other people to do that. If you live in a community that doesn't express themselves well, you know. But it's interesting, Talia. You, you and I oftentimes talk about that. I don't have any friends in my life anymore that I have that question about. Like they have my back. I know they do, but I've lived a long time to create that circle. Right, and so, you have probably
2: cleaned house. A I have cleaned
0: of house many times. How do including you do it? in recent years? Oh, and let me just, which Speaking I do if,
1: if you've been cleaned from Doug's life, please reach out to questions at you're not fine.com. We'd love to have you on the podcast.
0: Oh boy. There's going to be oh some takers God. on that. Um, there may be some takers who have something to say, which I'm always open to talking about because I think also people make mistakes. Like I think there are times that people have these experiences at 18, again, very young age and people change. So you might be friends again with, with this person who's hosting the party. But the, the group thing is what throws me off as well, because there's a group of people that not responding to her. Cause I think that's what you said, Greg, in your question, there are people not responding to her when she's reaching out. I don't like that. Those are not friends.
2: Yeah. And that feels like so, bullying really. Like, it's thank like you. really mean. Just
0: about to say that. It's like yeah. mean, mean stuff.
2: It is yeah. mean girls. Yeah. I don't, I like was going to say
0: mean girls, but I don't know that they're all girls. <laughs> So I wasn't gonna say. Mean,
2: but it's like the movie Mean Girls.
0: Yeah, and you are going as Lindsay Lohan for Halloween. I know.
2: Only if she wears antlers and a cape, (laughs) then I will be Lindsay Lohan.
0: And a mustache. Oh no, that's Freddie. (laughs) That's Freddie.
2: (laughs) I don't know. Oh.
1: (laughs) All right. So So our second, our second question. Our second mm-hmm. question is from Sherry. She had a gut feeling that her niece might need some help and showed up to a party that she knew that her niece was attending. And when she arrived there, there were two guys that were kissing on her niece at the party. And it turns out that those guys were also party crashing teenagers and who went to a crosstown high school. So they didn't even go to the same high school as, as her niece. And um, they weren't the adults that she thought they were, and it turns out that um, they managed at some point to take picture of her niece's body parts. I'm just going to say okay. body parts generally, and there are multiple ones, so you can. I'll leave that to your imagination. Um, and then they made the brilliant decision on the, the Monday following the, the the weekend party that they were going to cyber blackmail her niece unless that unless she met them for a threesome. And they would post pics all, all over the internet. Um, if she didn't bend to their wishes, she did not turn in her niece about the the situation about the the party. She did not tell her sister about it um, because there was sort of a trust established between her and her niece. And she had had a, a conversation with her niece about her niece putting herself in bad situations and what she needed to do in the future. And so they they discussed it. You know, they talked about it, and she felt like if she ratted her out, that there may be a lack of trust in the future that could, you know, lead to her niece not feeling comfortable to ask for help or to Mm -hmm. um, communicate, you know, to her in, in a way that would allow her to help her in in the future. When the blackmail situation happened, obviously the parents you know, her sister and her sister, her brother-in-law, um, became aware and she, um, happened to show up at the house when they were all dealing with all that news. Her sister was very upset, obviously, and obviously upset with her for not sharing the information earlier and that, you know, she knew all this going on and felt hurt that you know, something had happened to her child and her own sister didn't tell her about what was going on. and, and her question is did she make the right decision? Is, is there a better way to handle that situation in the future where her sister and her brother-in-law wouldn't be as upset with her?
2: Oh, this is such, I mean, such a complex situation and teenagers in general, it's really complex. And I, I own a few of them myself. And so what I can say is that, It's like a kid in an adult body who is, you know, they are really going through it, making the mistakes, learning their frontal lobe is developing and as independent and adult as they see themselves or as they seem as self-assured, they really need guides that love them and they need mentors and they need a village of parents. So there's that piece. I mean, just with my like beloved 14 year old, right. Who like was, he's really into, you know, the skateboard crowd and the vaping and that it's like surrounded by older kids doing their thing. And he is so wise beyond his years. And what he basically told me is here are our options either I tell you everything and you're my person and you're there for me and you don't judge and you guide, or I do it anyway and I just don't tell you, right? And so I talk to so many of my clients as well who have had these experiences in childhood and in their adolescence and in their teenage years where they don't feel like they have a person or a place to go where they can talk about like, God, I really effed up. I really messed this up. I got myself into a horrible situation and then they're in this horrible situation all alone. And so I would say, Sherry, you were 1000% right to be there for her. And if it's a matter of potential danger, you do sort of need to let your sister know you need to let the parents know you can either talk to your niece and say like i love you so much i am your person i am here for you and you can tell me anything sex drugs and rock and roll and i will not share however if it's about something dangerous that could potentially potentially destroy your future, your life, as you know it, I really think we need to bring your parents in so that you can hold on to that connection with her and still bring your sister in. Doug, what do you think?
0: Um, So honestly, as maybe the two of you might anticipate with me having two children, um, I am having a hard time sitting in my seat and my first response is, but I want to keep my license. Please tell me the address of these two boys.
2: I know. Um, because it's, I want
0: to take care of it. And number two makes me
2: hate people. I know. I am,
0: I am, so I'm furious right now. And I also just want to say, and I'm not able to to talk further about the clinical issues here or even the, the other dynamics until I say this has to be illegal. I think the cops need to be involved. I think they need to make sure these boys never do this to men again, to a woman again or a girl again. And I think we as men have to defend women and we have to participate in making sure that women feel empowered and never, ever, ever fucking put in this situation again. So it makes yeah. me very angry and I apologize for my anger getting in the way of my response. But I mean, no, I, and I get to I mean, do that in this room, right? I'm you, you
2: get to do it in this room and outside of this room. Like, absolutely. It is horrifying and disgusting. Yeah. And I feel yeah. like I, I didn't even speak to that. But, of course, that's like a thousand percent. I also think it's illegal. For I think sure. it's
0: illegal. And so uh, and and this goes back to like your comment, Tali, about like, when do you decide to break that trust? However, this is what I think. I don't know. I did not catch how old this person is. This niece is. But let's say they're, I'm hoping at least they're a teenager to be let to uh, go to a party by their parents. The thing that I'm struck by is, you know, I would have a conversation, Sherry, to go specifically to your question. I think it's right to have a conversation with your niece. Make sure that you two have a joint agreement, but but do not hold back in helping your niece make a good decision on their behalf. Rape, assault, threats by men toward women or women toward women or men toward men all need to stop. And I think in these recent years, given our administration that we've had in the past, um, I think we had, you know, a lot of people thinking it was okay to do that sort of thing, given our past president's comments about assaulting women. It is never, ever going to be okay, and we all have to fight that. So off my soapbox for a second. The part that I'm struck by is, yeah, I would make an arrangement with your niece, make sure in the future, That you two both have that agreement. I love what you said, Talia, about like, I do think everybody should have a trusted person to talk to. That should also be their parents, ideally. Their parents can do a lot in this situation. I didn't hear enough about the dad's response. I didn't hear enough about the mom's response. But I do think the cops have to be told because these guys will do it to other people as well. This behavior is so aberrant and concerning that someone would take pictures against somebody's permission of their body. It's really wrong. So... I can't even kind of talk about this from any other perspective other than this is purely wrong and it should never be allowed to continue. So I'm hoping that the niece feels empowered and protected and safe going to the authorities and telling their story and making sure that anything that goes online that has your body connected to it is off as as quickly as possible. And that these boys never do that again. These boys, by the way, I don't know how old they are, but they're not men. uh, So...
2: And I just keep on thinking about what happens in the absence of being able to share your experience that's when right. you are a victim or assaulted or threatened in any way. What happens is this deepest, darkest cycle of shame, yep, that's and right. you start to think that I am asked for this. I invited this in. No one is going to be on my side. No one's going to help me. No one's going to protect me. I'm all alone in this. And then that leads to depression, incredibly low self-worth, fear, suicide, ideation, suicide. Exactly. And that's what happens. And shame cannot survive where there is honesty and connection and love and support. You've got to talk about it. It takes away the power. You don't feel alone in it. If you talk to the right person, because I will say a lot of times there's secondary trauma when you have this horrible experience and you do talk to someone who is not supportive or blames the victim, then it's doubly traumatic. So yeah,
0: and I want to go back to something that we have not said yet. It is okay to kiss people. It's okay to explore your sexuality. Like I want to be sex positive about this conversation, Absolutely. but it always, always, always should be consensual. So I don't care how many people you're kissing. I don't know. I don't care how many people you're having sex with, but if it's consensual and it's your decision, as long as you are safe and as long as you are, again, you know, thoughtful about your decision-making and not putting yourself at risk in any way, I'm good with all that. So I want to make sure and that that comment gets put out there. Go ahead, Greg. I love
2: it. Greg, do you think I could say one more, like, 12 seconds worth of something <laughs> about, you know, the whole movement about, like, enthusiastic consent? Like, if it isn't a hell yes, then it's a no. And so to even, like, as a man and as a mom, not as a man, but, like, as a mom raising men, but even to think about as a man. Yeah. Thinking about like you are scanning all of the cues and the clues and watching your partner's face, because even if it felt really fun 12 seconds ago and something took a turn, you need to be aware that it's not fun anymore and something shifted. Check in.
1: So Talia, you mentioned um, earlier that, you you kind of have a choice in terms of what kind of relationship you're going to have and building that trust. And then Doug, you also talked about the illegality of all this. I think, don't you think that, and this is for both of you, don't you think there's a place where you can rationalize and to, and and discuss with the niece, the difference between a trusted, a, a relationship where she's telling stuff that happened and then a line that's crossed, where there's clearly abuse or something illegal, yes. that she needs help, and when that line gets crossed, no matter what, you know she'll be there to help help her manage that, and that that's a situation where you know disclosure has to happen for everybody.
0: Greg, right? it's a good question, and I I think because I was on my diatribe, um, I wasn't able to really respond to that piece as thoroughly. But the reality is, I think honestly, what I would encourage you sherry to think about as a a phrase to approach something if it happens like this again is to say so we need to talk to your parents and we need to call the authorities but i'm willing to talk to you about how we do that Mm-hmm. Because the it. niece needs some power. The, the niece needs some empowerment about this process and needs to feel like they are on board with this. Because again, Talia, going back to shame, like you can't force somebody to be present to talk about something without really get wrapping their head around what the possible implications are. It's one of the things we do as clinicians is that we make sure that people know what the potential outcomes are of engaging in a conversation that can be difficult, opening up cans of worms. So I think there's a a part of this, Greg, that exactly that, like, I think, and that's why I would have encouraged Sherry, if she had, you know, this to do again, to just say, so I need you to be clear, this is illegal and you have been assaulted and you have been abused and you've been threatened. And this is a legal matter that we will be talking to the cops and your family about, but we need to do this together because I want to stay connected to you. Don't 100%. drop your end of the rope. Right.
2: I love it. Yeah. Yeah. I- I have nothing to add because it's beautiful. It's exactly. And that's what we do in therapy too, right? I mean, we're mandated reporters for all sorts of issues, but it isn't like I'm going to sneak off and call your mom or I'm going to sneak off and call the cops. It's like, how do we do this together?
0: That's right. Uh, You know, and uh, there's no way to know this because everyone is different, but the support that this niece gets now and the way that she is feeling empowered and in control of her body and feels like she has rights to her body, uh, despite who's trying to bully and harass her, which I just, again, I have zero, zero tolerance for. And I think all of us should make a role uh, make a point of making sure that happens. Um, but there's a part of this that the long-term outcome of this also, like once you have been treated this way, it stays with you. It's like being bullied or assaulted. Like you have this distrust that can emerge from this experience that I would wish for you to know is not how everyone is. And there are men out there who you can kiss and engage with who actually hear the word no, or when you change your mind, even halfway through, if you're all naked and you're about to engage in penetration of some kind, you still get to say no as close as anything is to you. So no means no, period regardless of your gender, regardless of your age. So I think that's the message that this, this niece gets, needs to get, um, and hopefully we'll have.
1: Nice. So our last question, which actually, um, to me seems a little similar to the first one and, in, 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 but from a different perspective is from bud and <laughs> bud comments that over the last few years with COVID, obviously very few people were hanging out and having parties, but since then many of his friends have changed their lifestyle where they're having children, they're married and have other commitments. And so when they would dress up and go to Halloween parties or any kind of party or hang out, um, essentially, um, they would, you know, they would go out and go to bars and events and things like that together. But now that, where post COVID and families have emerged and other commitments have emerged, it's not happening as often or at all. And calling up his friend circle often results in you know, an answer where they can't or too busy or have to take care of the kids or there's this thing or that thing. And he's feeling very frustrated that his friend circle has changed over the years. And so, even in, to the to, to the point where even small things such as gaming or hobbies or overnight trips and things that they used to do and celebrate are no longer possible. And he's he said he was just very sad that he feels like he's losing people that he used to do activities with, and wanted to know how he should approach that with them and um and with you know managing that, which you can see how that might sound kind of similar to the first one, but it's from a different perspective in terms. I of I think it's
0: yeah. I think it's very different. I mean, I think, you know, if if you were being excluded from events, you know, are happening, that's different than people maybe not feeling ready to get out. You know, one of the COVID experiences, you know, I I travel. I went to a hockey game while I was in Boston here. Um, So I'm around a lot of people. And I think there's an inevitable risk that happens with that. I am a believer that, of course, we did have a pandemic. Um, And so and I, I know there's other strains of anything else that can happen when we're around people. But the thing about it is everyone has their own process. I will tell you, one of the things we're not going to know right now is the huge aftermath of this pandemic and what it Mm -hmm. meant to be isolated. You know, we've talked before in some of our other episodes about like some people who want to continue to wear masks so they don't have this social obligation to smile or greet people or, you know, if they have resting bitch face, I think we called it at the time. I hate that word. (laughs) Um, But, you know, being able to like have some isolation and, and privacy around that. But people have loved some of this isolation, whether I think it's good or bad, or any of us think it's good or bad. Some people have loved staying out and, and staying in, I should say, and not not engaging with the community as much. And part of that might be the political divisiveness. People are afraid of coming across people who might offend them one way or the other regarding their beliefs. But I think there's a lot of people still figuring out like when and how does it feel like you want to go out and socialize? So honestly, at this you know point in this conversation, though, the guy needs to check in, like ask your friends to do something, take the initiative, do what you can to create the circumstances that you want to, you know, have in your life. So I think that's the piece. Like he's got to, he's got to check in with his buds. I love that your name is Bud right way, by the way, because I get to it. say Bud in multiple ways. Check in with your buds, Bud. Bud,
2: So Bud, I, yeah, I, you know, it's so funny because like I attached to a different part of the story. You're absolutely right. I mean, we will never really understand the extent to which we were damaged or our lives changed because of a couple of years of isolation. Right. And people being in different stages and phases of maybe being scared of getting sick or feeling depressed, isolated and isolating further. Right. But the part that I was thinking about is this natural divide that happens sometimes when you either are the one having children before your friends are having children or you aren't because you don't want to have children or which is absolutely legit or you just aren't there yet and you do want that so things get really complicated I would say there's a good 10 years, if not 20 years, of this like divide between the people that have children and the people that don't. That's awkward for both sides. Like, I have talked to so many people along the way. And one theme that I've noticed is that there are a lot of assumptions and not a lot of conversations because people who have children go into sometimes this like a baby vortex, right? Where you're completely <laughs> just obsessed slash overwhelmed. And you're just in this vortex of child rearing. And so your priorities and your interests change. The things you're doing outside of work change. And so you are going to be on a different path than your friends who haven't had children yet but what i've realized by talking to people is that a lot of times people who have kids assume that they're people that don't have kids have no interest in being around them they don't want to be around the kids they want to go to bars they want to dress up and go to these fun halloween parties they want to like do all the things that we used to do and so they're not going to want to come over and have a cup of tea and hang out while my baby's napping. So there's that assumption. And then on the other side, the people who either have chosen not to have children or haven't had children yet, but want to feel like they're no longer a priority and that their dearest friend is no longer finding time and space to hang out with them and reach out to them. So that might be just something to just think about that your dear friend, on whichever side that is, might be longing for you as much as you're longing for them, but they might not be able to go out to a bar more than once a month because babysitters are hard or they're nervous for whatever reason. And on the other side, you know, check in. I know it doesn't sound like as much fun as going out to a bar, but how would you feel about bringing me some takeout? Because I've been wearing the same clothes for two weeks and haven't washed my hair, but will you come over and hang out with me? Bring a bottle of wine. You know, it's like people need to be having those conversations.
0: Creative. They do need to have those conversations. And, you know, I think one of the pieces that maybe, maybe is something we continue to talk about, you know, the other thing that this guy, you know, I think when you have kids going specifically to that issue, Talia, you know, I think sometimes people miss their old lives as well. And so mm-hmm. they wanna make sure that they have a piece of themselves that can still have that balance. And I strongly encourage it for parents. Having parented two kids, You know, sometimes it gets really tough, especially if you're a single parent. I think so, a lot of people have a hard time asking for help or getting a babysitter, but you need to make sure that you are taking care of yourself too and that's on the other side. But, you know, of course, communication is kind of the basic key here. We're going to keep talking about it as the basic thing that you need to do with friends or family to make sure that you understand where they're coming from. And if you feel something, say something.
1: Yeah. And Talia, I love what you said about the lack of communication because that's truly a big thing. And the the issue is, I think many people don't understand how, right? So for me, Mm. um, I'll try to be open-ended and say, you know, I haven't seen you in a while. How can we get together? I know, I know you're super busy, but what what does that look like? And, you know, I'm willing to be pretty flexible and, and just let them pick the type of environment or, or venue or things like that. Because for me, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pretty busy. And unfortunately, when that happens, I have to schedule things right i'm not as available on a whim you know if it's not a week or two or three sometimes three weeks in advance right and that's not normal for some friend groups and so there's you know that's part of that communication adjustment but your point talia sometimes people are making these assumptions and if you leave it open to them they're like well I know you probably don't want to come over and see the kids, but I'm more free then. And, you know, so you're just kind of inviting them into that situation. The flip side is sometimes there is a change in the dynamics of your friend group. Right. And they're just not willing to say you're out. (laughs) Nobody wants to hang out with you anymore. And that's okay. And, you know, there's not a mutuality there to the degree there used to be and for me I, I you know i manage that by like sort of like a three strikes rule In mm-hmm. you know if i invite someone out multiple times yeah. and things just don't work out that third time the language i use is hey you know we seem to be having some difficulty finding a time to connect uh, just wanna let you know, i just want to let you know i'd love to connect in the future when you have time just let me know but i don't want to keep, you know, interrupting and asking you, I'll I'll leave it up to you to decide when it's best. And then you're not putting them them in an awkward situation where they don't want to feel confrontational. And then you can let
2: go of some of the anxiety around waiting to see what happens with that. And what I love so much about, I love the three strikes and it's also, it goes, It goes with dating too, right? Or just like being really excited about somebody and, oh my God, but why do I always feel like I'm the one initiating contact, conversations, going out? Should I try one more time or shouldn't I? I feel like I was the last one to do it. (laughs) And then I feel like that's such a brilliant way of saying it because what I find is that if people say, is it sort of like the who wants to host chicken? of like, yeah, we should get together. Yeah, we should totally get together. And then it's like crickets chirping in the background. But Greg, what you said was, it feels like we're having a hard time connecting. I'd really love to get together with you. What works for you? What does your schedule look like? What would you like to be doing? Let's see if we can make it work. Then that sort of either... Pin someone to like, oh shit, I'm busted, right? Like, I bail at the last minute every time, or they're initiating all the time. The reality is, I don't really want to. So, yeah, I really like that. It's like, you know what? If you come up for air, give me a call, and then you will get a sense of like, okay, that person was just like kind of letting me go, or they just haven't come up for air. That is a possibility
0: yeah i mean there 's two things about what you said greg that it, and at the end of the day, what I like about it is it 's truthful like mm-hmm. it, it feels like we 're having a hard time connecting that 's a very neutral non assuming approach that I think is accurate. I think internalizing or assuming something that might be going on is is wrong. Because honestly, you know, we talk a lot about mental health and we talk a lot about depression and we talk a lot about anxiety. And so that person might have stuff going on that you don't know about. And so reaching out to somebody and just checking in, like, I know we're having a hard time. I want to make sure there's not something going on. Just being really direct about it, but not making any assumptions is such a beautiful balance because it allows that person to say, I've been really depressed I have clients that I've worked with who have isolated from their friends because they're really down and depressed and isolated and having a hard time doing their daily hygiene and getting up and out and finding clothes to wear. They put on weight during the pandemic. The, the data on weight gain during the pandemic was, was stammering uh, because people were drinking more and eating more and sitting at home and not exercising so much. So I think there was a mm-hmm. lot of reasons why people might be isolating and reaching out in that neutral way doesn't put people on the defense or doesn't create confrontation necessarily and really just says something that the person has the opportunity to respond to. However, going to this idea that maybe there has been a change in the relationship, I think it's very likely that, you know, that's that's like almost three strikes and then, you know, put it in their ballpark. And if you never heard hear from them, you know something, right? Right.
2: And then maybe it is sort of this vibe of like, they're just not that into you remember that old book <laughs> or there was like a movie too but that is yeah. also real and you want to give people an opportunity to present as either really into them or not
0: that's correct i think that's very true
1: question for doug or talia email us your questions at questions that were not eligible questions will be randomly selected for upcoming episodes. For details, visit our website at we'renotfine.com.
0: Join us every Tuesday for new conversations, new challenging topics, and fun.